I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Roker Report podcast in association with Hawks Brewery. Today, we've got a very special guest that needs absolutely no introduction. Joining us via the medium of the internet is former Sunland captain and cult hero, Mr. Lee Barry Catmull, to give you the full title. How are you doing, Lee? Are you well? Thank you, mate. Yeah, yeah, all good, all good. It's uh, good to speak to a familiar voice. No, very much so. We're just talking off air there about Holland. How are you settling in? Yeah, it's, uh, like I was just saying there, it's been a massive, massive change. In the first week or so, was it? was a big buzz you're almost like you're on a holiday everything is new but then when things settle down I've, I think I've been here I came home for a few days last international break but I've probably been here for five and a bit weeks now straight off and I'm back home in the next international break and looking forward to that because obviously it's just so different in terms of the day to day just there's not many English where I am and then just even things like setting up Wi-Fi setting up bank accounts um, you need there's so many different little things you need which you don't realise at the time you think you just set a bank account up and then I'm having to go everywhere face-to-face just to get points across, really. But, um, no, it's been great. And the club I'm at have helped me settle in great. And, um, yeah, the football's been spot on. And that, that was the main reason for coming. And not like I signed a three-year deal or anything like that where it's going to be – it's quite um, a big commitment. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. looking at it till what is it, May the 5th, I think the season ends. And it's, it's another seven, eight months. So it's a challenge which I wanted. And it's something that I just, I just felt was right for me. So I'll start with a nice, easy one to begin with. You were at Sunland for – quite a while shall we say but who was your closest mate if you can choose one throughout your time at Sunland and why well it's a difficult one that you know because I've, I've obviously had a lot of very good teammates from but obviously the, the spell I played with for a long time obviously Titus Bramble who came up when when I was with at, at, at Wigan so that was nice for Titus to come up a year after well with Phil Bardsley Andy Reid Anton Ferdinand that was a, the crew at the start and then obviously Shazie and Wes came Seb Larson came Craig Gardner had some cracking teammates and They've all been spot on. Tottenham's um, one, isn't it? Yeah, it, yeah, it, 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 it's a tough one, but we've had some great, great characters there. And I felt when we stayed up for three or four years, we're in. A, I felt we had a nice, strong group with, like, obviously Shazing, Wears, myself, Seb, Bardo. You know, we had a, we had a good, strong group of lads there. We, we've had so many good lads, and um, yeah, it's been some fantastic times over the years. But yeah, you know, it, it, things change, and. Um, for each other really you know there's, there's different reasons why people change and why people leave and everyone's got their own reasons but um, unfortunately that's where they, that's where football is and, uh, and life in general really So we'll rewind back to right when you, you first came to the club obviously you had a, a really good season at Wigan uh, you had played under Steve Bruce so there was that connection between Steve Bruce coming to Sunderland which made it obvious but you had Borough connections as well and it, it seems like a long time ago that you weren't a Sunderland player but 
did you ever have any doubts about joining Sunderland because of you know connections with Middlesbrough or just anyone else interested or anything like that? Yeah, no, it, it, it didn't, didn't even enter my head, to be honest. Um, I'd obviously left Middlesbrough and gone to Wigan and had such a good year with Steve and just felt I really connected with him straight away. And I think it was the first time when you leave a club from being like an academy graduate into a first team and then when you leave and go to join an, as a first team player somewhere else like I was at Wigan, suddenly you get treated as a bloke straight away and you, you think, do you know what, I was enjoying how he was treating me. I was, I'd seen... I would have liked to have stayed another year at Wigan, probably like looking back now in terms of if I'd have had another year with Steve at Wigan, it probably would have been better for me at that time. Like looking back now, I obviously I left for a year, then came back and pretty much lived back where I was from for, for the next 10 years. So, But no, the, the, the decision was there. Obviously, like Steve sold the club brilliant to me, which which didn't really need selling. I think Sunderland was going to come off the back of a, obviously the Keane and I think uh, Ricky Spray's years and they managed to stay up. And then obviously Steve got the reins and uh, obviously... Ellis was there. He had some money to go and spend and um, I think he wanted to really create a strong, aggressive team and we obviously had full houses and it was, it was an exciting time. We had some and obviously started the season really well and I think I think I got an injury after about eight or nine games which was really disappointing because I come off the back of a good under-21s time in the summer and then you're out for four months or something and it just takes your season out of you and I think that's the biggest thing looking back now is the amount of injuries I had when I was at the club and you're trying to play with and you're coming back from the injuries, it, it takes a lot out of you. And, um, you know, at the time you don't realise because you're always confident you can affect games and, 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 and you'd rather be on the pitch yourself. But yeah, like I say, the, the club was fantastic. When I first signed there and it was, it was a no-brainer to go. You know, I was playing at Wigan in front of 15,000 and suddenly I'm up at the Stadium of Light in front of 46. And yeah, it was, it was, it was another step in my career, which all came very quickly. Talking about that first season, you did mention, obviously, I think you got an injury against Liverpool, but when you were fit sort of before that injury hit and, and after when he came back from being fit you did have a really good sort of pairing with Lorik Sarna which may have been unconventional yeah, yeah. at first but how much did you enjoy that particular partnership and, and how much did he individually help you become a better captain? Yeah Lorik, yeah, Lorik was great he was, he, he was he was brilliant around the place as well you know he had a real big presence he was a he was a great guy and he just he, he set tones every day in training he, he really wanted to train hard and um, yeah, I don't think his knee was too great at the time, but you know he, he was always putting himself out there, and um, yeah, he was sticking his body on the line every day. And I liked it because obviously Lorik had a big presence on the pitch, and not that I could go and notice, but I could feel I could really get around the pitch a bit and uh, and sort of enjoy myself. Knowing Lorik was a, if you look at the, the amount of players I've played with through the years, there I think he was the real natural centre midfield player who I, who I enjoyed playing with. Obviously, Jan Mbia was was another good one, but. You know, it's nice when you're playing with real natural sort of central midfield players because they just always seem to be in the right place. When if if you go out of position or whatever, you know, you, they've always got your back. Which for someone like myself, when I was younger, especially when you want to get around the pitch a bit, I obviously played with Jordan a lot, uh, Jordan Henderson that first year, and he was the one who was then on the back of me playing with Lorik. He was the one then who was probably getting around the pitch more than me, and I was having to sort of hold the middle of the pitch a bit more, which given I was only a year above him or whatever, you know, I, it's something which I think a young player probably needs to have that all the head around him, which which can just help him through the game. I think the first season, yeah, although you did have those injuries, you did really establish yourself as, you know, one of our key players. But the season after that actually started really difficultly. Um, I think it was Birmingham and Wigan. You got sent off. And I remember the Wigan game. I was yeah, actually yeah. there. You, yeah. you looked really, really devastated. But you did come back from that. But how difficult was that period? And what was said to you in the dressing room between management players? And how did you get yourself out of that period? Yeah, it was a funny one. Yeah, um, the first one, 
I didn't think it really bothered me. But it was the second one that really hurt me because suddenly, if like I think I ended up making five tackles and I was sent off for uh, I got booked four times out of the five yeah. tackles or something ridiculous. But I remember the second one. I actually went off to the gym on the night and just ran on the treadmill and just like I just didn't know what to do. I was just running on the treadmill thinking. Jesus, what's going on here? This is this is bad, you know. I'd obviously just been given the captaincy and I've been sent off to out the first three games. So again, it was another test in my career where you've got to. I've always been capable of knuckling down, and not that I wasn't knuckling down at the time, but you know, I've been capable of coming back from things and you know showing that strength of character where I was desperate to do well. I was desperate to prove I was the right person to be captain. You know, I was. I wanted to lead by example. I wanted to get us get us right in the middle of the game and. You know, I was obviously probably too keen to do well, and I think that's yeah. something I've I've always had, which can work for and against me. And I've I've always been really keen to get a mark on the game, and whether obviously now the the game's changing all the time. But back ten years ago, you know, that was a big part of the game. We always talked in dressing room about first pass, first tackle, be really aggressive, and you know, listen, that, that's something which which was difficult at the time, and it didn't have, probably help the manager when I look back now. If it was a young player, and I was thirty one, and there was a young player in the team. Getting sent off, you'd be devastated. You know what I mean? But um, it's something I did, and I had to deal with. And thankfully, I managed to come back from that. And you know, you want to keep playing the game the way you do. I got sent off what seven seven times or whatever early on in my career, and then I've got sent off once in the like next ten years or something. So something you've had to learn. And but then you get that calmness on the pitch. The older you get, the more comfortable you get with the game. So yeah, like I say, that was that was difficult at the time. But I think the only defence I give myself was I was always trying to do it for the right reasons you know I was, yeah. I was I was always trying to be a better player or have more impact on the game and yeah like it was a mistake I made and I had to come back from it you never want to shirk a tackle let's be honest <laughs> when it comes to obviously Brucey you, you did have a really good relationship with him from a, a playing perspective professional perspective but he obviously left the club sort of two and a half seasons in and Martin O'Neill came in now there's a particular moment I think it was the Manchester City game on New Year's Day where he kind of came yeah. on the pitch and did the whole Jimmy Montgomery thing uh, you seem to have a good relationship with him that, as well. even my relationship with Bruce he was always he, he he never shied away from telling me what he thought of me if, I, if I'd let him down you know um, yeah. it wasn't a a friendly sort of relationship yeah we got along we probably both had similar principles towards the game but he, he gave me a dressing down many a times and I never got let off lightly with anything you know he fined me when I got sent off and yeah and t- told me what he thought of me in his office which which was obviously was even worse when you when you like the manager and you've got a lot of time for the manager to feel like you've let him down and see how hurt he was that was the hardest thing for me but but yeah Martin came in and obviously <clears throat> that come on the back of the incident with Bentner and um, that was out of frustration of that was the first time I'd lost the manager you know obviously with yeah. Brucey and um, that was the first time I'd had a manager who'd been sacked while I played for him and yeah I was absolutely devastated you know you don't know what to do because you think you've let someone down And but yeah listen that's obviously for the whole squad at the time and it, it, we'd lost the derby and I think that was a big thing for us but no like you say Martin came in and um, that was difficult because obviously I had to face up to face up to that with uh, with what happened there and then obviously yeah I just got my head down trained played and what I liked about Martin he left his players alone he trusted them he just he let them get on and he didn't give you too much information um, I seen a thing with Emil Husky the other day he was, uh, what was it? I think he was on Soccer AM and he was, yeah. he was saying how, how he enjoyed Martin in terms of like just let him get on with his game and I, I was probably the same I didn't need a manager to come and talk to me and, and you know I, I 
I got my head down, I, I train, and if the manager likes what he sees, great. And if not, I've got a way of going about my job. How I feel is the way I approach every day. So, um, but mine was, I, I really enjoyed mine. People have different opinions, but I, I loved him and his staff. And yeah, they were, they were old school, whatever, but he was demanding, you know, he had good energy about him. And again, mate, yeah, it was another good manager we've had at the club. And, you know, never take away how good it is to stay in the Premier League because it's such a tough league. But yeah, we had Martin, and obviously that that was a great game, the Man City game, though, wasn't it? Like if you look, oh, look at that, we how much spirit was. we showed that game, and then obviously the goal at the end, G was like unbelievable. Goal, really, just a chop it round hearty like that was was unbelievable. And like I say, I think everyone was out on the feet at the end, and I think that's all Martin wanted from his teams. A bit like Bruce, you know, he wants everything you've got, and the lads certainly were giving him that. Talking about the Man City game and people being dead on their feet. I interviewed, went over at Sweden to speak to Seb in April time and we touched on that. I think he had flu that day, didn't he? He passed out in the middle of the pitch, if I remember right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some performance. But talking about good performances under O'Neill, one thing that always struck me, and you sort of touched on it a little bit before about um, the 5-1 at Newcastle, but what people forget is that the game after that under O'Neill when we went back to St. James's, there was a particular moment when it comes to, I think it was the first 30 seconds, you went straight into a tackle sort of immediately and it felt like not that it was a badly timed tackle it felt like it left a marker like we weren't going to be bullied this time was that always in your mind to do that yeah 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 100% I think on the on the back of the the 5-1 that was obviously the only only other time I'd been there only the time I'd been there as a Sunderland player so obviously we'll go on there and we'll I I remember the dressing down we got off, off Brucey after that game about not leaving a mark on them not not turning up in the game not you know not showing them we were there to. You've got to win your battles, haven't you? You've got you've got to get yourselves Absolutely. in the game to start with, and you do that in the first twenty minutes. And then when it calms down, you can sort of yeah. Hopefully, you've got the better players and the better tactics to go and win the game. But you know, to start with, I just wanted to make sure. You know, it was a big game for us on the on the back of the year before, and uh, but yeah, I think on the day we I thought we were brilliant that day, and I think I think Shawler equalised later on. Sessignon got sent off. Second yellow, did he? Sessignon got sent maybe, off. Yeah, yeah. For a, I think a, he might have. He asked. Yeah, it was, it was an elbow, but it was in, right in front of me, and I think he hit the guy's chest, chest. and he's gone down holding his face. So yeah. <laughs> that that was disappointing at the time. But um, yeah, I think that was that was the biggest turning point in the sort of the spell over the last whatever ten years for derbies. I think that was the biggest game in terms of turning the tide and stopping what was what made the the six in the row or whatever, you know, I think that, that that game was important as any going back there. Very, no, very, very much so. And I 100% agree with you on that. I think it was Benton obviously scored the penalty that day, but it really felt like that was a... Yeah, it was it, a great pen as well, that for him. That's pen. one thing he did, Nick, let's be fair, in the big games, he stepped up. I think yeah. he did the same against Man City. City away, yeah. I think he enjoyed the big games um, and that's obviously, uh, you, you should enjoy every game and, and turn up in every game, but some players really do thrive on them big games and that's one thing we got out of Nicholas that year. Very much so. Now, obviously, there's there's so much to touch on, and there was some really great moments, you know, underneath O'Neill. But De Canio came in after that, and I think, you know, some players didn't have great relationships, some did. But I suppose one thing I've noticed from a lot of people that I've spoken to over the years that played under De Canio was that he was a good coach, but his personality and maybe his approach let him down. But how did yeah, you find yeah. him when it, he joined the it's club? It's a funny one for me because I think everyone wants to ask me about it. But yeah, I honestly didn't have any any sort of relationship or contact with um, the manager, so I really can't comment on that. You know, um, yeah. I, I did get some things off the guys uh, at the time who were some lads were enjoying what he brought at the start, uh, enjoyed a bit of the pre-season. 
out. I had an injury when he when he came in, and then I went back for pre-season, and he had a meeting. Just said, look, obviously pre-season is a time where we all need each other to get fit and work first and foremost for yourself and for the team. But there's obviously different players who are going to move on, and some players will stay. That's just totally normal at that time of year. Yeah. So I was sat there on the back of a knee injury, thinking, perfect. I played for a probably tried to play for about six weeks with a medial for Martin, and. Um, had a couple of injections and it just wasn't going away and I had to have the uh, operation. So I was sat there first day of pre-season thinking, right, yeah, perfect, that'll do me. I kept myself right. I was in over the summer and uh, I thought, well, I've got a great chance to go and show the manager what I can do type of thing and why I've why I've been a player here for a few years. And um, and then left the meeting and got pulled off the physio and said, have you spoke to the manager? And I was like, yeah, yeah, just had a meeting. And he said, oh, well, you're not allowed to train with him. And I was like, all right. So that was the first... Uh, that was the only contact they had, really. I wasn't allowed to train with the team, and I just went and did some bits on my own. And then, obviously, there was, I think there was a couple of options. I could have maybe got out and went on loan and things like this, but um, for one reason or another, they didn't get sorted. So I had to. Um, but that, that that was a time when I was. I, I, I look back on my career, and I think I, I really worked hard in that time. Yeah. You know, I didn't get too disheartened. I just made sure I just just wait for your chance, and because it'll come. Because whether it was going to be at Sunderland or somewhere else, I had to make sure I looked after myself. But it was it, that was. That was a funny time in my career. I was having Monday to Friday work and having weekends off, and it was just like it, it, it was a strange one. But like, I don't think that sort of stuff really happens now anymore, you know. But it was quite popular back in the day that things would happen like that, where managers just didn't fancy players, and you had to take a back seat, which which was normal, you know. If, whether it was personal or not, I don't know because I, honestly, I didn't have a relationship with him. But then after seven, eight games, and we, we haven't we haven't won a game. He, he, I think the window shut and I had to go back into the squad. I, I don't really know what had happened, to be honest, but obviously, yeah, it was obviously, look, it wasn't a successful period for us, but uh, everyone was very excited by that appointment. I think I think if you look from the outside, I think it seemed to go down really well with the fans and yeah. he was obviously a big character and quite, you know, flamboyant or whatever. And, uh, you know, it, it was all very exciting everywhere, but probably the training ground. So it was a bit of a <laughs> funny one, but um, yeah, he's... I honestly, I can't really comment on that other than yeah. my own experience, which was which was very little. But um, you know, obviously, on the back of that, I think the Gus coming after that. Yeah, I was going to say, like on the on the back yeah, of then. that, I think I, I don't know whether you agree, but I think you know, arguably, you played your, your best football under Gus Poyet. Yeah, well, I, I, I absolutely love my football under him. Like he's, yeah, as big an influence on my football as, as anyone in terms of learning the game and learning more about my game and positioning and you know angles with the ball and when to release passing when you know just a lot more defensively much better yeah just I, I really enjoyed the way I was I felt on the pitch playing for Gus I was I was always thinking about different situations and different scenarios on the pitch and where I had to be and yeah that that's he, he helped me probably get me thinking more like you know I, I'm learning about the game here which you know football was always quite physical and you, you know your own game but then suddenly played for Gus and suddenly you're playing big teams and you're not if you look at the Man City performance with Martin O'Neill it was like backs to the walls edge of our own box just constantly 80% possession probably for them and we're just running and running and just showing great spirit to stay in the game which is which is what you've got to do to, to get results but then suddenly we were having like Chelsea had come to the stadium of light and we've got the ball and yeah. they're thinking they, they, can't, they can't get the ball off us here and we're pretty comfortable offering nice angles in your own half and Suddenly, I think the fans started to realise, you know what, we're, we're, we're getting somewhere here. And the fans started appreciating different 
patterns of play at the stadium alike, which they probably hadn't seen. And and that's not you know we kept a lot of clean sheets as well. He wasn't soft by any means. We were defensively really strong, and we probably lacked a, a little bit of pace in that team from being a really good team. When you look at you know a lot of the top teams now, they have really quick wingers, and we yeah. probably lacked that at the time. But I, I really like what Gus was doing at the club. Do you ever feel like, in hindsight, Gus was maybe let go a little bit too easily? Again, I think the period when he did go, I think I was injured for a little bit at the time. But yeah, you know, again, I don't know too much about what was going on at the club. Yeah. But, you know, it's hard to say, isn't it? Obviously, if it was yeah. just results and it was results and the club have, uh, have made the decision and um, we've stayed up. But I just felt the club, in terms of the understanding of the team and the way we were training, the way we were playing, I was just seeing something different to what I'd seen before. And I, yeah. I was really enjoying it. And, Quite surprised at the way his career has gone afterwards. Since to be fair, I thought oh, he'd actually. be back at yeah. back in England, or you know, he did a great job at Brighton, and then. Uh, but yeah, no, he had loads and loads of good things going from his staff were good as well. They were great around the place as well. So yeah, that that, that was a, that was a good time for me. I really enjoyed my football there. But he was great for me personally, and I know he was for a lot of other players and experienced players as well who probably enjoyed what they learned from him as well. Talking about so the time under Gus Poyet, there's a, a few games that stick out, mainly against Newcastle, and we've already touched on the six in a row. Was there any, I mean, I've seen the celebrations, and you definitely enjoyed the, the wins we had over them, but was there any particular game out of those six that sticks out as, as your particular favourite? Um, nah, not really, not really, to be honest, no. Uh, they were right, weren't they? No, they, any win's great, isn't it? You know, yeah. um, but nah, I know the first 3 0 I think, I think I was potentially going to Stoke the day before and I think that was Brids' first game that's correct yeah Brad Brid yeah played, something like yeah. that yeah because I remember what I think I watched it from home or something like that because I'd been down in Stoke the night before so that was a bit of a funny one but even that there like you look at that uh, I think I had a year, year or so left on my contract and I turned down the chance to go to Stoke when I was getting a four year contract you know because I, I, I believed what we were doing at Sunderland at that time and that was all it was I was at an age where I was learning I was 26 I think and I just thought I, I really enjoyed the style of play we were doing and yeah I knew I knew he'd got his man in Liam because that was his player he had at Brighton and yeah. I could understand why but I had a good enough relationship with him at the time to say listen if, if this move doesn't happen I'm enjoying coming to work every day and I'll fight for my place so you know, I think that was testament to what I was seeing from Gus you know what I mean and, and, and the squad we had at the time I just fancied us to Finish the season well, and I, I believed in the squad I was part of at the time, and I think that was the biggest, like, obvious thing for me to say. Like that's that's how much I believed in what I was doing with Gus. How close was the move to Stoke? Because it felt like nailed on, but then it just seemed to change last minute, and there was never really sort of reasons given behind it. Yeah, no, after well, I think it could have been done, but you know, I just um, I remember speaking to Wallace on the evening as well, and. He said, "What did I want to do?" And I, I, I told him I didn't want to leave, and he, he didn't want to lose me either. But you know, I think they were off and half decent money, and um, it could have been done. But I, I just didn't. I think in football you've got to go where you got. Yeah. I, I really do, and I, I've sort of done that my whole career. I've never really. Sometimes your hand gets pushed, and you have to leave. You know that probably would have happened in the Decanio situation, but I just didn't feel like I had to leave at this time, and I was enjoying learning. I was really enjoying training. I was going to work every day. And, I was enjoying the sessions. I was thinking I'm becoming a better player here. And and that was the main thing. And then if it was at the end of the season, I went somewhere else. I just felt at that time, you know, I just, I didn't think it was right for me. Yeah. So that's, that, that was that really. It really was the right decision as well. Cause as we've already touched on, I think you did play your best football after that. I think as a fan, you looked at Bridcut coming in and as you said, it, it felt like it was Gus's man, but you, you did oust him and it came to the point where 
you became probably his key player, so it definitely was the right decision. Yeah, no, I think obviously at this point I probably played in the Premier League for eight, nine years or whatever, and I, so I was comfortable in the Premier League. But I was obviously I, I was trying to improve different areas in the game, and I learned off Liam as well because obviously he was coming in. We probably train on the different teams every day, so I was obviously watching him in training as well. And what Gus was getting from him, I thought if I could add that to my game, I thought in other areas of my game I could excel and probably be better than him in that respect so I could stay in the team you know so that's where I was sort of learning off learning off Liam and obviously off the manager I was listening to everything the manager was saying and um, I think that's one thing I've done throughout all my career really I've always listened to what managers want and if you look at certainly my career at Sunderland I've, I've changed the way I've played many a times just to get in the team and you know it's, it's easy to a manager to come in and, and, and say I don't like the way he wants us to play and I'm off now but I've always tried to just get in the team and that's the way I've always approached it. So, you know, I'd, I'd love to have had a manager for six, seven years, but like a Pochettino where you, you have the same manager for five, six years and you really, if you think he's, you agree with the style of play and you agree with what he's telling you, it must be an amazing feeling. But unfortunately, I didn't have that for that length of time. I'm probably putting you on the spot a little bit here, but what was your best moment as a Sunderland player? What, what's the thing you go to when you think about your, your years at Sunderland? You know what? Again, because it, it, there's so many different like chapters because of the manager situation, like <laughs> yeah. it's it, it, it's hard to say, you know. But obviously that 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 escape with Gus and the the teams we played at that time was was incredible. Obviously, I think I loved the start of my career with Brucey. I felt I was really playing well then at the time. I felt fit, and then obviously I had a bad bad knee injury, but. Yeah, I loved that period under Gus when we 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 finished the finished the season the way we did. I remember the game down at Tottenham, and uh, I think the old man said actually there's a I think there's he, he, there's someone's made like a YouTube clip of them last seven games or whatever it was. Yeah, I think. there is. Yeah, Maybe. yeah, there is. Yeah, it's that, it, yeah, it wasn't news, was it? It wasn't us. No, I'm not. I'm not like good at editing <laughs> stuff like that. But I have seen it. Yeah. Probably more times than I can. It was only the other week as well. My dad was over here and he said, to me, <laughs> oh, "You should have a watch of the the miracle with a yeah." That was Gus. it. And it was. I remember that night in the changing room at White Hart Lane. We were sat there and the lads were like, "Fuck! It, well, what are we doing here? Like, well, we can't just go out like this, you know. We need to make sure come the second week in May." When the season finishes, you you got to just say to yourself, you haven't given any more. You know, you you couldn't have done any more for for us to stay up. And you know, on the way on the when we left there, did we lose to Everton or something just after one nil? We lost one nil. It was um, Wes scored known goal, I think. But we we'd actually played yeah. really well in that game, and it kind of felt played like well. Things were oh, going against us. We, we, sh- we shouldn't have lost any of them games, even no. the, even the Man City away. I think uh, Vito spilled one in later on. Oh yeah, heartbreaking that. But that's yeah. what I mean. We were playing these big teams, and we were going out thinking. We were tactically so ready for the games, and we were just like Old Trafford. Seb's finish was unbelievable. Obviously, the Chelsea game. We had a thirty-two pass move as well, where I think it was Fabio hit the bar. I think in that game against yeah. Old Trafford, it would have been the best Sunderland goal that we ever scored. I think, um, but yeah. sadly, cannon off the crossbar. <laughs> but then, even if you look at the next season, there though, you come back and we had—I think we had four loan players, and we didn't sign any of them. And I think we wanted all of them: Alonso, Barini. Yeah, yeah. Key. Key, yeah, very much so. Callback went um, off the top of my head. The border went as well. Border went that summer. Yeah, so, so things like that, you know, when you finish a season the way you do there, the connection you've had amongst the group to come back and then not have that again or not have that as your baseline to say, right, that's the standard now. How can we add to it? We only need two or three. We then rip it up again and start again and that's where you don't get the same 
trust amongst the group just yeah. naturally because people are new to the club and I've just seen now obviously moving clubs and you're walking in dressing rooms you're not showing yourself in the same way you would when you're two years in or a year in you know yeah, you, 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 I'm looking around the place here thinking who's here then, uh, you know what's going on here who, who, who's who's the main men here what, uh, what do we do here you know you, you're looking around the club and thinking how do they go about things day to day you don't want to come in and start upsetting people and whatever but you leave your mark and but yeah it's, so that's what I think the most obvious thing now stepping away from it is you look back and you know we're constantly having new players coming to the club and that's difficult for everyone the lads are already there and because when you're there as a, as a senior player and, and you've got lads coming in and you're thinking you know you don't get too hard on them too early you're trying to let them settle in or then they're settling in and not pulling away you're thinking Jesus have they got this easy you know, you know it's just a bit of a it's a complicated thing it's quite hard to say really but I just felt we, the way we finished the season sometimes I would have loved to have started the next season with the same group yeah and it just seemed to cycle over didn't it and it was like you look at certain players went I think we've touched on some of them already and, and just totally different characters players came in afterwards and it was it did feel a lot of the times like we were changing manager and changing personnel on that, like a six month basis yeah, yeah, it's just it's yeah. difficult. But... Yeah, exactly, and that that's hard. Well, for the players, obviously, we had some great senior players at the time, and we're, and we're like sat with each other, and we're just trying to regroup the players again, trying to get get everyone pulling again and and going again. But obviously, it's changed for you all the time, so it's difficult. So, from a fan's perspective, it seemed like Big Sam was about to take the club on a bigger and better things, but then Moyes came in and sort of from a fan's side again sort of sucked the enthusiasm away did it feel like an overly negative time? Um, oh, that period for me was obviously a write-off with the hip injury so yeah. again another manager I didn't really have too much involvement with but again very similar to the Gus, Gus era in terms of finishing a season as strongly as we did to then come back and lose again with probably three or four of your main players or not get them over the line from a loan to a permanent was massive in terms of obviously uh, losing Eunice Cabal was was huge. Um, he, he was such a big player for us at the time in terms of helping the French boys. I think, like I say, in terms of coming over here to a new country, first and foremost, you find out who can speak English and who can speak it well. And uh, we've got a German lad here who's helped me every day in terms of when a manager passes a message on to the group, I straight away approach him and say like what's he saying what, what's he want from us or you know uh, just making sure I'm doing the right stuff in training but um, so for Eunice to leave the club was massive and then um, obviously Jan and Villa well because we didn't really play much after that um, and these were all massive players for us the year, for, year before obviously Corny we had a load of drama with with the um, potential move uh, to Everton was it so I, these are all tough things that go on in the club and um unless they manage really well, um, it's going to affect people, you know what I mean? So, um, it was a frustrating season for us. Uh, we obviously lost our Premier League stage, which was massive because we'd worked so hard for a long time to remain in that and, listen, obviously losing Big Sam to the England job. I did, I did At Middlesbrough, we lost Stephen McLaren to the England job and, then, and next, it's, it's, it's huge for the club, you know, he's obviously got the England job on the back of how well he'd done here and his previous club. So, um, you know that was that was massive for us, and uh, yeah, it was obviously a tough season, wasn't it? It wasn't. Yeah. It didn't look like we had great um, atmosphere, and yeah, yeah, I think it was such a high the year before. And I love again, I would love to have started the season with the same manager and the same players, but things change, and you know, you, you 
Sam got his, his his dream job with England, and um, unfortunately that ended the way it did. And you know, I, I don't think Sam or Sunderland probably benefited at the time, which is no, disappointing. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that that was it, really. Yeah, it was it was a difficult one, but um, you know, David Moyes worked very hard, uh, but obviously we just didn't have the didn't have the stuff to to stay up, and we didn't have the spirit or the the fight to stay up, which we'd shown in previous years. You mentioned about um, the Coney situation. Again, I can only speak from a fan's perspective, but we'd grown to sort of love this player, almost cult hero-esque, really, really fast. And then it seemed he was on his way to Everton. There was pictures of him posing with Everton fans. How do you deal with that as a player when, I'm, I'm guessing, you were uh, gone in that period? He's obviously been massive success when he first came over yeah. and then we got offered big money for him to go there. We expect him to be gone as well, but as a player, you keep you mind your own business, you know what I mean? But for one reason or another, we don't know. But you know, he, he, the deal didn't get done, and um, I don't know how much it was affected him. But um, I'm sure he was disappointing. But like again, that's 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 between Lamine and uh, and the manager and the chief executive at the time. That's not not to do with the lads and the teammates. We 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 just go on the training pitch each day, and obviously, if we see Lamine not happy, or you know, we try and help get him happier. But you know, uh, you don't know how much that affects the player. But um, no, obviously. No, no. Played a lot with Eunice the year before, and I think that would have been more probably comfortable for him at the time because of obviously the language and Eunice was a big character, and I think they, I think he really helped them boys. So, were you surprised we let uh, Eunice Kabul go? Yeah, I think I think Eunice was happy at Sunderland. I think, yeah, but you know, he obviously had an option to go back to Watford where his family was, and again, that's that's something which it, it was a big loss for us. But if if that was right for Eunice, um, you know, you can't take that away from him, but. Um, yeah, he was a big player for us, and like I said, that, that the end of that season was one of the best spells of of my career. Then, you know, you're on on holiday in the summer, and you're thinking, right, we can go and have two or three years now with this manager. We, we've got a right chance at cement ourselves as like a mid-table, top half Premier League team, and then obviously that doesn't happen. And the next two years go the total opposite to what you thought they would have went if 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 we'd have kept all some of the experience of Sam and his his like, recruitment in terms of the players he gets. Um, I just felt it would have been right and obviously the connection with the fans was there for everyone to see I think they all took to Sam he took to the fans and he, he can't you know he's, he's got the England job there that's, that's an unbelievable for him and um, yeah just it's, again it's timing isn't it it's timing and yeah. unfortunately for us it wasn't the right time to, to have that stability there the season after obviously relegation from the Premiership came along and it was I, I don't want to touch on how difficult of a season it was but in terms of that particular season as well, George Honeyman was given the captaincy. And I think, I've interviewed George myself, you've obviously got a really good relationship. I think there's people from a personal perspective. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You were seen as someone who was very much a really good captain for Sunderland. A lot of people spoke of your, uh, your abilities as a captain and really spoke it up. And, and sometimes George didn't really get, maybe he got a bit of a raw deal sometimes. Did you always feel that George was a really good choice for the leadership captain? Do you, do you have any comment? Do you think he had maybe a bit of a raw deal sometimes? One thing he, he was, he, he chucked himself unbelievably the role. You know, when you're given the players we have in the squad, even in the last the last season, George was a great captain. You know, he, had, he took meetings when they've got the likes of myself, Aidan McGeady, um, Glenn Louvren sat there. You know, they're three experienced players there and George is taking the meeting and, Explained the group what he wants, and I thought I thought he was unbelievably impressive, and he handled it great. You know, I think the club itself were changing in terms of 
it tried to change its identity a little bit. You know, the new owners yeah. were putting demands on George to speak at meetings and promotion stuff, and he always put himself there, and he he, he done great with that. And I think in any any sport, when you're the leader of the group or the captain or in cricket, whatever it is, you know, you, you, there is more pressure because you don't just think about yourself anymore. You start thinking about the group. You, You'll be leaving the training thinking, is everyone all right? Is everyone happy? Is What else can I do? Should I sort of lunch out for the team? Should we do this? You know, the, these are all the things that start going through your head where when you're just a player, you know, lads can be quite selfish in terms of that's how they're preparing to get themselves to perform the best, which is which is, which is right because if everyone performs the best, it's, it's happy days. You're going to have eight, out of the 11 really perform on a Saturday and that's what you want. But um, no, I thought George was different class and, he is a captain the way he approaches training and he led by example and if you look at the squad when uh, Jack took over I think we, I think we had 12, 13 players and, yeah. and George was head and shoulders in training every day driving the team on and I think Jack just seen that and I think he just thought Do you know what this is how I want my team to play George has shown us every day and he, he knows what he wants George is driven and you know he's, he, he's got his rewards now with, with, with a good move to Hull as well because um, he's obviously playing the championship and <sighs> He, he suddenly went from just coming into the team at Sunderland to suddenly being club captain at a, a really important time. And um, yeah, I thought he'd done amazing. And yeah, he's, he's a good mate of mine. And he's uh, I know he speaks to Bali a lot, and he speaks to like he, he speaks to myself. I know he speaks to Big Shazy a lot. And yeah, he, he asks questions, he takes information on, and but at the same time, he's his own person as well. And he's a good lad, you know. He's, he's an intelligent lad as well. So. Yeah, I, I think he was the right choice at the time, and I think it's nice as well for the for the younger players as well to have like a captain around them. You now we we I have different groups with, and I think it's important now like at the club where you've got like this. You say Duncan Watmore, George at the time, Gucci, you know Max Power, Charlie White. These are all players of like the same sort of age, like mid twenties, and you're like they could be at the club for three, four, five years. Touching on your last season that you had with us, so last season going back, it felt like I'd, I'd waited about eight years to see a league Catamore goal, and I think I've, I've seen three in about a week. How yeah. much did you enjoy like your last season at Sunderland? Um, yeah, I did. I did. I enjoyed it, obviously, after the window shut, because I had a great relationship with the manager, to be fair. He knew I was really disappointed, and I was, I just, I was just not enjoying being there. Like, obviously, the championship season killed me, and then I went back in, but... It's a difficult situation, you know what I mean? I had a contract there and I, I was playing in League One and I felt I shouldn't have been playing in League One, but yeah. I should have been because I was part of the teams that went down. Hey, listen, it was, it was so tough. Um, and you don't realise until you step away from it how much you've been through. And But the manager was great with me. I, I explained that all the way along how I felt about my position. And he just said, look, well, you know, just keep giving me what you're giving me and I'll, I'll keep supporting you. And if you ever want to speak about anything, just come and see me. And I had a great, great relationship with him. And I just said all along, like, look, once this window shuts, I'll give you everything I've got. And I just try to do that the best I could. But the game's so different there to what, like, even here now, we played PSV the other night and it's back to feeling like I'm playing the Premier League the way you've got to set up for the game. You've got to be compact. You've got to be a bit more defensive in your approach. I think once you go to the Championship in League One, it's just, it's a lot of times, just end-to-end. Everyone's just saying, well, we'll beat you this week or we can beat you. And it, there's not that much control in the game or too much thought about it. And I just felt, that, especially when you're getting older, it's just, I just felt I was seeing the game different to sometimes how we're playing. But I managed to adapt my game again, you know, play on the second balls. I was getting forward more. And yeah, I just, listen, I just try to work my way through the season and get as much out of it as I could. And yeah, it was hard again because 
you're travelling totally different. We, we, we were flying to Manchester five years ago, and now suddenly you're doing bus back from Plymouth. <laughs> so, like, and I never once turned my nose about any of it. The hotels are different, the food's different, but I don't need that to, to help me play football, you know. I, I enjoy playing football wherever I am, and as long as there's spirit in the group's right. And that's one thing that Jack and his staff have brought to someone. They've, they've brought a, a real new approach and uh, making sure everyone's working hard and doing the basics and um, that's a nice foundation for any group to have that and then on the back of that then you can start talking about your tactics and how you're going to play and, but first and foremost you have to, have to have to have the respect amongst each other around the training ground but no I, I, I enjoyed the year as much as I could have enjoyed it obviously the trips to Wembley were great I would love to be in a different outcome but I don't think looking now I don't think the club was ready to go into the championship and compete so I don't think it's the end of the world if we can go and do the business this year and you've got two seasons of, of not you know losing many games and you, you've had two seasons where the, the fans have enjoyed them because you've been right there challenging to succeed or something not just hanging up and I've come here and we're a different team here we're, we're more of a mid-team in, in, in the Eurodivision and it, it, it's going to be a difficult year we've lost a couple of games there and I'm having to get my head around losing again because I only yeah. was part of a team that lost two or three times in the games I played last year, over 30 odd games, you know, so you have to, it's hard to take losing games and I think the club's got into a position where to stop losing games and, you know, if we can carry on that and go and get promoted this year, the club's got to be in a better position to compete in what, what is an unbelievably hard league now, the Championship, and given where we're at as a club, it, it's going to be tough to get through that league as well, but, you know, so I don't think, yeah, it's disappointing to not go up, but, yeah, Charlton have gone up and done well, but, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough. Barnsley struggled, yeah. Barnsley very much struggled. I've got, got two. Well, more. that's what I mean, and oh, you know, look, it's a playoff final, isn't it? Where everyone's absolutely devastated. But oh, if we'd gone up, I might have stayed. I don't know, but you know, it was tough to take. But hopefully, in come seven, eight months' time, the club go back up and they're in a better position and and stronger for it. One of the things I did want to ask, and I suppose I have to touch on it, and it's just sort of came to my mind just now. But that Portsmouth game at Fratton Park. Mm. <laughs> What are your memories of that moment? Oh, with the because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was nice to see that as a fan. Because you know, as much as it was a explosive moment, it really felt like the first time in a few years I'd seen a bunch of lads really like working together and like it was like you were looking after each other as mates. And it was it was great to see in a sense as almost funny no, as it was. It was a great thing. It to was see. a great performance. I think that away from home to Portsmouth, where we're hearing loads about you, how intense the atmosphere was and this and that. I didn't think the atmosphere was anything. You know, given where I've played at Sunderland for so many years, the atmosphere wasn't wasn't any. Yeah, it's been a good atmosphere over the years, but I think the way we just nullified the game and just controlled completely controlled the game, I think we kept the fans quiet and did nothing to cheer about. To be fair, I'll get off the seats about. We were in control all night, and I was really proud of the lads that night. We all played great on the night, and it was a proper performance. Obviously, given the situation with Granty at the time and his family and you know I think yeah, that was that added to it as well at the end because no one was aware of that and just yeah it's, there's so much went on that night and it was a shame we didn't go and follow it up at, at Wembley but you know as a for a group and players to go away in the uh, semi-final of the playoffs it's the first time I'd done the playoffs again another new experience but right, leading up to that we're speaking to lads like obviously like Granty and stuff about your approach to the playoffs and everyone says it's better to go away first come back home second but we obviously had to do it the other way around because of the way we finished the season so I suppose my final question would be you had 10 years at Sunderland um, there's very much a legacy there but if it was up to you what would you like your legacy to be remembered as? Um, 
I'm not someone who looks back too much, to be honest. I mm-hmm. try not to think too much about how I want to be remembered. I, I know every day when I went through the gates at Sunderland, I tried to train as hard as I could and, and, and be the best I could. But I, I was proud of what I'd done there in terms of how I approached every day. And I always felt whether I was being naive or what, I'm not sure, but I always tried to believe in what we were doing at the time, whether whatever manager it was that came in, I always tried to follow him. And I always tried to, you know, follow my teammates into believing we were a decent team and we could do all right. Yeah, that that's that's the thing. Well, you have to keep striving every day to, you know, believing in what you're doing. And I think that's what I try to do all the time. And that's what I like about how I feel in terms of football. I, I always feel quite confident in the group. And again, that might be naive at times because we might not have been anywhere near where I believe we were at. But uh, there were certainly times when I think we had good teams and we were competing at a very good level. And But there's all reasons why... Yeah, things don't develop or whatnot. But, you know, the spell we had in the Premier League was a long spell, which yeah, I think you can see now how good a spell it was when you look at, when you come out of the division, how hard it is to go back in, even for other clubs, you know, look at how long Middlesbrough have been out of the league and Aston Villas and Stoke will find it hard to get back in. And it's, it's a tough league to uh, to get back into the Premier League and then stay in it, obviously. So, yeah, obviously I was legacies and stuff like that. It's not something I'm really, really bothered about, to be honest. Um, I know what I give there and, um, yeah, like obviously that now is, is is something that's close for me, and I think that's the nice thing. More interviews I've done since I've left, I've sort of got a bit of closure on it for me because yeah. for a couple of months I didn't really speak about it. I just got my head down. I was keeping myself fit, waiting for an opportunity like I've got now to. But since I've come over here, the amount of people who've got interest in Sunderland's unbelievable. You know, obviously that's what the Netflix <laughs> brings because yeah. everywhere I'm going over here, people are like, oh, at the other clubs. When you go to the other clubs, the other fans are asking about Sunderland till I die and this and that. And, <laughs> Um, I'm thinking it's the worst season I had at the club, but uh, <laughs> no, but uh, it's it, it's been yeah, it, 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 it's a massive club, and I think that's the biggest thing for me looking back now is you're part of something that was really big, and you don't realise at the time because every football club you, you've got your your level where you you got your training ground and you've got your your canteen staff, your your um, your cleaners, your you know your your kit ladies, kit men, and and all your physios and your backroom staff, and that's the same at every club. Yeah, we had couple of extra bodies maybe compared to where I am now but that's your core of your football club and we always had a really good core and like some of the times we've had there at Sunderland over the years with the um, even little trips away as a group and it's it's been it's been quality all that's players and staff all in it together and I think that's that's what you look back on when as like I look at the people who are there now and there's not many players who I've spent too long with there now but it's the staff who were there you know um who I've got great memories of having some quality times with you know what I mean and I think that's the the big thing which which you realise that it was such a big football club and um, it was just nice to be part of it for so long Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50-80% to less than other high-end brands And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.